psychology professors are really, 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 really bad and lack the resources and lack the know-how to guide students who don't want to go to graduate school. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Jacob Miranda, an advanced doctoral student in the Experimental Psychology Program here at the University of Alabama, where I have a concentration in social psychology. And I'm Cassie Witt, a pedagogical assistant professor in the Department of Psychology at Western Kentucky University. Together, we are the hosts of Corrupting the Youth, a podcast about the teaching of psychology. If you love psychology, education, or both, then this is the podcast for you. Hello, 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 beautiful people. Welcome back to season two, episode two. I guess technically this is our 11th episode in total. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. We made it past 10. We made it past 10. The haters said we wouldn't. Well, we need to be popular enough to have haters, Cassie. Like, let's start <laughs> off there. And then people have already, probably the small gathering or small gathering of followers we already had have forgotten about this. They're like, uh, gee, I feel like there's some staff there that like most podcasts can make it to 10. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they're like, and it stops. Like it ends at 10. Yeah. So our goal is triple digits. I'm telling you now we're doing 10 squared, Cassie. I don't know how long it'll take, but we'll get there. I think that we mostly do this for like our own satisfaction, like for fun, you know, whereas no, I, I do this for milestones, mm-hmm. only milestones. No, that's what I was going to say. I feel like most people get into podcasting because they're like, I want to be famous and get sponsorships. And we just like listening to ourselves talk. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, there's a bit of that narcissistic element. Well, it's like we, we, talk all the, we talk all the time. Like, why not record it and put it on the internet for everybody to hear? And quotes every millennial ever. Yeah. Everyone be starting a podcast. But you know what? We're going to stick it out. But yeah, how has life been? What are some ups? What are some downs? What can someone listen to you in the good old early August of 2022 and be like, dang, Dr. Cassie Marie Witt, this is what she's doing for life. Um. Well, I just graduated. Yeah, you brought that up last episode. All right, that's old news, Cassie. Yeah, you you got that doctor. Get I yeah, I got that doctor title. I defended my dissertation at the had already defended it at the time of our last recording, but this past weekend I finally like walked across the stage, which was like a very big emotional moment. What else is going on? I got a teaching grant through Course Hero. Uh, for a digital learning project, which I'm implementing in my social psychology classes this upcoming semester. So I'm like having my students uh, make a TikTok account and like post TikToks about like the content that we we talk about in class. Um, And so like as part of that, I bought like iPads and tripods and microphones and all sorts of like recording equipment. Um, And I'm so excited about it. Like in like prepping my class and like the materials in this, like this past week, I was like, "Mm, this is so cool. (laughs) That is. And it was, it was given to like a number of people, right? So like it was given to like select few. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to like have an episode just dedicated to like going back and seeing like both you and everyone else. Like what do teachers do when they actually get some grant funding for teaching? Yeah. Like what creativity, like I'd be interested in like reviewing what they did. I'd be like, oh, that's so I can include a, a link in the episode notes um, where like the funders like sent out like a press release where it was like little summaries of like all of the grant recipients projects that they're doing. And some of them are really, really cool. Um, like some people are like having their students make a podcast and like. <laughs> They're like people who are doing like really cool things with like coding and, you know, robots, things beyond like <laughs> the, the robots, my knowledge. Yeah. And then you're out here being like, and I'm just TikTokers. like, they're, they're going to make TikToks. I feel like it's so like TikTok is so ubiquitous now, especially amongst like the majority of Gen Z college students. And I think that knowledge is disseminated in that way. It's not just like dances and jokes and things like that on TikTok, you know, at least like not on mine. Like I come across <laughs> like informational things. Like I have learned things on TikTok and I think like being able to like digest the information that they're learning in class and then like learn how to communicate it like clearly, but also very concisely and like 
a video that's three minutes or less, like I'm hoping that that will also help them with like their like scientific communication skills. Interesting. So is your TikTok made up of educational material, cottage course, just like these cottages? <laughs> and then what was another one? It was like baby faces or like baby puppies. Yeah, like cuteness and like yeah, that's your like, TikTok. <laughs> My like my personal like TikTok algorithm feed or whatever, it's a lot of like cottage core queer things. It's oh, there's a lot of food. I was on sandwich talk for a while. Um, and then yeah, like puppies and kittens and things. So sandwiches, puppies, kittens, and psychology facts. That's like, <laughs> what I boil down to. Nice. Well, you get to at least contribute to one of those talks, the psych talk. Yeah. So maybe I, my students will pop up on my for you page. Yeah. An idea. I'm just spitballing an idea here. Maybe one of the projects can have an idea with TikToks is like correcting other TikToks. Because mm-hmm. I feel like there's everyone who's like, did you know this weird psychology of fact that, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like some complete bullshit fact. Oh my, this, listen, this is like one of my, like, I don't know if it's a pet peeve exactly, but there are so many like, memes and things out there where it's like psychology says Mm. and then it's just yeah absolute bullshit and I have a friend um and she will like send me some of those sometimes and she'll be like is this true and I'm like no no absolutely not but thank you for checking (laughs) no that's good that's what you should be doing when you're exposed to information and you're like I don't have the expertise to evaluate this claim let Mm -hmm. me go to my friend who is more of an expert yeah yeah so what's up with you jacob i think last time i told you that season two is going to be like the saga of the job market Mm -hmm. and so almost all the job materials ready to go Um, i'm probably going to start applying tomorrow um, and i'm waiting specifically tomorrow because that's when my last latest student evaluation gets released Mm -hmm. so like even though i taught number one i don't know what those evaluations are but like Mm -hmm. it's good to include in the teaching statement like yeah what's the faculty instructor rating for each class and like what's the course rating for each class so I just want the most like up-to-date most comprehensive thing mm-hmm. so I can put that in my application materials and not them question like why didn't you include the class that you just taught and I'm like yeah. I don't have it um but beyond that like I don't know my life's just been busy and hectic as I'm sure you know but I guess I could disclose you hear me you hear me bitch <laughs> Cassie, hear, yeah I mean you hear, you hear me complain bitch. and whine <laughs> but like it's a lot of stuff but it's good stuff right so like I don't think I'm doing anything because I feel like sometimes people say that they're busy but that's because like maybe an advisor or supervisor boss is adding on to their load of like meaningless tasks that is just like busy work Mm-hmm. Right, like everything I'm busy with is not busy work. Like it's all mm-hmm. important. So obviously, job application stuff. I already have thanks to you, like a beautiful Excel sheet organization thing. Yeah. Where I have about like twelve or thirteen schools listed. Um, speaking of which, on my to do list, I have to check that because now I'm going to try to update that weekly. Right, so like go onto Higher Ed, go into the Chronicle, go into all these things, Psych Wiki, mm-hmm. Psych Jobs on Twitter, all these resources. And I try to. I'm not sure if I'll check weekly or check every few days but just you'll update check every that day so check every day yeah no That's, it's talking from experience listen, i'm speaking from experience you say i'm gonna set this boundary and not hunt for jobs every single day because it's like exhausting and it's, and then as soon as you submit applications you'll be checking that psych jobs wiki every day to see like if anyone has said they've got like an interview invitation or oh that's actually in the song to me the psych job wiki is confusing because it doesn't tell me like it's it's categorized of the different subdisciplines and then it's right. alphabetized mm-hmm. and so for me it's like almost like a change detection bias of like if it's been a week how do i know if like one new school has been added because it right. doesn't necessarily tell me when it was posted it's just been added into the alphabetized list yeah and so like i just kind of go by feel like have i heard of the school i think i've already looked into the school or like does the school sound new i think this might have just been added yeah but, but they like, have a section for have you heard from these things yeah so what will happen is like on the posting like people will put like right after the posting like interview invite on october 1st or whatever god that's that's just like a mental health that reminds me of like Weren't there those websites for like colleges, like an undergrad and graduate school so for like when you would apply? Grad school, yeah, the, I think the one for grad school was called Grad Cafe. And like, I would check that one. Really? I think I checked that one too. Yeah, just to see if yeah. anyone heard about it. And then the undergrad one was mostly uh, high schooler parents mm-hmm. bragging about how their high school has like a 4.8 GPA. Yeah. It's like, oh, they've only gotten accepted to three Ivy Leagues. But has anyone heard about this fourth one? And it was just like, 
it wasn't even a humble brag. It was just like a bragging website yeah. just to let other parents know how smart their own kids were. Yeah. I still looked into it to see if anyone heard, but like I was probably the minority. Or at least yeah. posters were like different parents. So yeah, fun stuff there, job stuff, uh dissertation stuff. Oh god, there's a major thing I need to do with coding, which I've told you before. Um, yeah. it's like for survey flow and design qualtrics. Mm-hmm. And my estimated time of completion, I am got a consultant, is probably gonna be like a week to two weeks of like solid six to eight hours of actual like minuscule and again it's not hard stuff but because there's so many variations in my experimental design Mm -hmm. i'm just afraid of that and i'm like yeah like i know you're kind of like modeling that branching off of like a project that i had done like in qualtrics but this one is like way more complicated than that one like I thought mine was super complicated and like yeah, you said like it took more to, to like 20 to 30 hours to do and I'm like oh. yeah so like part of that was because like I had no prior experience with like embedded data or you know like the branching logic and Qualtrics and stuff you say that guess who also <laughs> I know I know that's why I'm like legitimately if you need help reach out to oh me. trust me I will yeah. I will but I've been procrastinating on it Mm-hmm. but i've been like productively procrastinating i've been taking care of every other responsibility that i know needs to be get done in the next two weeks no i understand that I was like it's like during the time when like good. i needed to write up my dissertation my apartment had never been so clean <laughs> it's like there's no excuses i cannot make any excuse. this is the only yeah. thing in my life i need to do like yeah. that's what i'm trying to set up and i'm getting close to that Mm-hmm. some stuff on the daily gets out on the to-do list but like i'm getting to the point where like there are no more excuses sit down do it and the fall semester has to start so i have a little bit of time you've got time and like my advice too is like once you opened for data collection like one thing that i did that i know saved me a bunch of time was like i went ahead and like i went into spss and i wrote up all of my syntax like for all the analyses I knew I was going to do. And then I wrote like a results outline for myself. I remember this, yeah. Yeah, I like already started brainstorming stuff for like the discussion section. And so honestly, like, that's how it kind of should be. Um, like I feel like yeah. ideally like uh, those are like best practices, but like it definitely oh, yeah. helps to do them though, right? Like, yeah. you're like, oh, I have to do this more often. You know, <laughs> yeah, okay. like I like pre-registered my dissertation study. So it was like, I already knew like what my primary analyses were going to be. So just like making sure like I already had the script ready and like I knew how I was going to clean up the data set, like what I needed That's to really, do. So wait, you pre-registered it? Yeah. For me, I had a conversation with Lex about it and it's like, well, your dissertation with how explicit it is, is kind of already a pre-registration with like a timestamp document. Um, I like did an as predicted uh, pre-registration. I guess it doesn't hurt. It's the same information, but like if it's a more formal document that can work, I can say. Yeah. So yeah, that's been on my mind. Uh, It's dissertation stuff. And then just also this new role as the graduate student psych president. Mm -hmm. That's... I feel like it's one of those organizations where it can be as much or as little work as you want to. Like it could be like a CV line warmer. Right. Or it could be like, if you want to be intense about it and really get involved and help the department, no one's stopping you from taking on all these additional responsibilities. And so like, I don't even know. It's been a lot because I am taking it seriously. And there's a lot of DEI challenges that are arising that I'm facing. There's a lot yeah. of other challenges that I can't discuss what arising. Luckily, it seems like the chair of the department's being very transparent and seems eager to help. Because um, good, I'm going to need him. So like, hey, Tom, if you're listening to this, I need you. Help yeah. me. Um, but he's open to meeting quite frequently and helping me like make these changes. So it's a lot of exciting work. It's just like planning for town halls and planning for social events and having buddy mentorship programs and improving those systems. What I'm afraid though, though, is that overtaking my dissertation stuff. Cause like that PTSA role, there's, there's probably always going to be something that needs to be done. Like that student government presidential role, there will always be something, but yeah, it is exciting. I think it's a great leadership opportunity. And I think no matter where I go, if they're like, hey, do you have experience of DEI? Damn straight, I do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just like vice president. So like that alone was a lot of work. I can't imagine like being president. But like sometimes it felt like the VP is like, I have to plan 20 different events myself. I'm like, oh my, oh my gosh. It's a lot of planning. 
Um, I I'm don't just think like I, a micro manager. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't think I had my hand as like VP in it as much like DEI stuff. Like as you as like the president who like oversees our DEI rep is on like exec committee for like the department. So yep, all those meetings are going to up. So bi-weekly and we, I get to see what I get to see how the sausage is made within a psychology faculty meeting and be like, I've um, listen, I, I loved sitting in on the faculty meetings. I'm not going to lie to you. I was like. I'm learning all the tea. All the tea. <laughs> uh, but you know what? We can't spill the tea on this podcast. <laughs> um, no, so. we can't. We can't. Next week, I have my first uh, faculty meeting as a faculty member. See, so I like how you're saying it with a smile and excited. I feel like eventually, though, it's going to be like, oh, God. Ugh, and maybe not even that. Too, yeah, like even a couple of months, you're like, oh, great. A Another, yeah, faculty yeah. meeting. Mm. Um, I'm excited, though. Yeah, I think you should be. If it's like your actual job. It's different. Yeah, crazy. Uh-huh. So, like, was it WKU if you're listening? Yeah, if anybody's listening, Cassie is pumped for the faculty meeting. But today, we have a specialized topic. We do. Uh, we do. And so, it was actually based off four articles. We I, we gave some assigned reading to one another. Yeah. And we will link and cite these articles in the show notes, so don't worry about that. But the topic of today for teaching psychology is looking at the psychology instructor's role or looking at our roles, right, in the classroom mm-hmm. in response to students who want to get a job and who are career-oriented. And so, like, that's basically everything, right? So, students who want to get jobs. And essentially, what these articles holistically say as a constellation is that psychology professors are really, 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 really bad and lack the resources and lack the know-how to guide students who don't want to go to graduate school. And then the, it's pointed out that the vast majority of your undergrad psych majors have no interest in going to So basically, the vast majority of psych majors want actual concrete vocational work advice. Mm-hmm. And most professors aren't equipped to help them. They're only equipped to help the student who wants to do research just like them. And it's like, oh, that's a gap. That's an issue. Yeah. So I think like most of the readings actually like emphasize this point that a very popular piece of advice is the uh, you have to go to graduate school in order to get a job in psychology. Like I know I have heard this countless times. Clearly I listened to it. <laughs> no, I just love school. <laughs> Uh, which is why I turned it into a career. But but anyway, so like this very like common advice, right, gives preferential treatment to students who like want to go to graduate school. I have been guilty of this myself, like maybe not using those exact words, like you have to go to grad school to get a psychology job. But I know in our lab at UA, as far as like the undergraduate research assistant application process goes, We ask them, do you want to go to graduate school for psychology? And if they say yes, we give them preference over students who indicate that they don't want that. They don't have any plans to go to graduate school. And I wonder if like that's fair. Like I know that like being in in a research lab obviously gives you a leg up if you apply to graduate school in psychology but I think to say that like you couldn't gain any like useful knowledge or skills as an undergrad research assistant if you like went into like some sort of career just like right out of undergrad yeah I don't I don't think it's fair like I think that you probably could still like gain a lot that you could use in a job And I think something that I am particularly guilty about is often like espousing how important it is to have like an epistemic orientation towards like knowledge, you know, like knowledge is important because it's knowledge, you know, like knowledge in and of itself has value, but then to like be picking out research assistants and like not picking out students who like maybe just want to learn for the sake of learning you know, like that's sort of like hypocritical. Okay. Yeah, this like made, really made me like reflect on like my own process of like advising undergraduate students or like selecting students to mentor. And you made me think of, so I always, for anyone who ever listens, I really is like a stream of conscious for me. So Cassie said multiple things that triggered multiple lines of thoughts for me in mm-hmm. a good way. Um, sorry, it's not just like a trigger. Like, ah, how <laughs> could you say that? One, I have been guilty of saying similar advice to like they are. They often say, so in high school, AP psych, way back in high school, I used mm-hmm. to hear, if you want to go to a psych major and major that in college, you cannot stop at a bachelor's. Right. And that's from, still to this, probably one of my most favorite teachers, one of the most impactful teachers, inspirational, motivational. She was just amazing. She still is amazing. Um, but even she's just like, listen, 
this is not something you want to major and just stick at a bachelor's level. So I definitely agree there. How the articles talk about is a two-tier system, mm-hmm. kind of what you're describing, right? Where faculty and even teachers, instructors in the classroom and people want from the lab give preference to students, undergrad students, who only have graduate school aspirations. And as soon as we find out that this person has no interest in doing research in the lab, of like being a doctor, being a researcher in that regard, we are like, mm, I don't know how to help you. I can't give you as much effort. I can't like, there's just less resources for them. There's less time spent on them. Yeah. Um, and so again, I'm going through my stereotype conscious of the things you said. And so I think that's a bad thing. I know that you mentioned in our lab, within our application, I don't think that's like a pertinent or relevant question. So like for me, how our process used to be is like we would all have the same results or like the survey results. And we had all the information and then we would kind of decide like who are people we're interested in as a group of graduate students to pick up. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I don't think I've ever cared if they put yes or no to that question. Like that's been a non-factor for me because there's a separate open text section a bit like, you know, what do you hope to get out of this lab? Like to right. me, that's a bit more important than saying, do you want to go to graduate school? And some people use it to repeat themselves or not. But there are is a skill set that I believe, or at least how we try to train our own undergrad RAs, is like we have like biweekly meetings about like open science. We have like a reproducibility journal club, right? And so like a lot of our meetings with undergrad is, yes, the traditional stuff of like maybe you're coding, maybe you're helping with some analyses at basic level, maybe you're data cleaning, maybe you're editing manuscripts, like all those basic functions. But also let's teach you how to be a better consumer of science green flags of like open science, red flags to be like, this is probably shitty, shoddy science. Mm-hmm. And regardless if RRAs do end up going to graduate school or not, I think those skills, just understanding the research process and green and red flags is in of itself a worthwhile mark. What right. I'm afraid though, is that there's a selection bias, right? Or mm-hmm. like, and even like an application bias, most people who are like, oh, I want to be a research assistant probably already have an inclination that they want to do like that's not usually like a volunteer opportunity right you can go to animal shelters you can work at other places so if you're interested in medical school like that's what you could do but like most people want to be research assistant uh research assistants already kind of have grad school at least in mind right and like a lot i feel like we would have so many more applicants if we maybe did better recruiting or better marketing of what the lab can offer like what getting involved in a research lab could offer mm-hmm. right like actual real world skills that you can use in any job yeah right beyond the critical thinking but that but like data coding data cleaning knowing how to read and edit papers right how to work in groups teamwork and collaboration working with deadlines working with deadlines professionalism yeah right so like all those soft skills but also like hard skills too of like you could detect bullshit from a paper yeah that's very useful right you don't want your business to spend tens hundreds of thousands of dollars from one shitty paper which people mm-hmm. who are not in the science community might be like but science says so. Like you said, like psychology says so. Like psychology says so. And like yeah. maybe it's good to have people step in and be like, actually, no. In the future, if someone tries to shield them some lame study, they'd be like, no, my my intro psych teacher, <laughs> she made me dance and sing about how this is all crap. <laughs> I just yeah. sing about the replication crisis. <laughs> Sing about the rep- that'd be awesome that'd be like extra credit <laughs> points right just like they used to do in high school yeah i failed to appreciate the fan but like how people get into the creative juice and like create a rap i know yeah i i um have previously in my classes like as an extra credit assignment i've been like create a meme about something that you have learned in this class and like students are hilarious like I have a folder where like I've saved like the very best ones and like I use them in my PowerPoint slides sometimes. Like they're just so funny. I love it like when they get creative like that. But anyway. Yeah. What you remind me though, last thing you remind me of, mm-hmm. is that when you said what you saw in every article, what was at least in two of the four articles you read, was they always started off with a quote from a politician mm-hmm. basically completely shitting on psychology. <laughs> So, like, one was a quote from Jeb Bush, and it's like, like, yeah, liberal arts is kind of important, but just realize you're going to be working at Chick-fil-A. I'm like, oh. I'm like, there was another politician, forget their name, but they're like, whatever you do, don't be a psych major. Right. We don't have a need. There's too many of them already. 
you're not going to be contributing to the world by being a psych major. And I'm like, yeah, like imagining being like an undergrad, like graduating with your like bachelor's degree in psychology and your commencement speaker is like psychology degrees are useless. Like I would be so upset. They yeah. would be, they would be here. And Parents would be upset. I'd be like, you yeah. wait. I don't know. But I think like, this is just indicative of like some really big issues that we have in higher education anyway, right? Like this perspective on liberal arts education, I think is pretty pervasive, right? This idea that there is such a thing as a useless degree, you know, so it's like, be it psychology or art or like women and gender studies, like all of these things. Yeah. There were whole Ted cock accounts yeah. dedicated to saying this is the most worthless college degree. Yes. Taking the point of the other side though, mm-hmm. I don't think psychology, and I won't speak for liberal arts faculty in general, but like psychology faculty across the nation, I don't think we've really done a good job to show like the usefulness of just a bachelor's. Like I feel like if you go to most psych faculty and say like, what can you do for bachelor's? The yeah. most common thing, and I, again, I'll be guilty of this as well. It's every job is a human being job. And so like, because you work with human beings, this degree applies to every job. And like, if you start saying that your degree can be good for any job, then like, that's like the least helpful advice. Like that's, there's no direction of like, well, you you just said, you didn't give me any specifics whatsoever at all. You just like, oh, go apply, go apply places and people will appreciate it. But I think though that the fact that we have to like, market majors though to begin with like just kind of feels icky to me and I think one of the readings also was like suggesting that part of the problem is because we have a conflict between what is like the traditional view of undergraduate education and then like the current like student view of education and so like if you're asking yourself like what is the purpose of an undergraduate education I think like the current view is that it's to prepare you for the workforce. Whereas like the traditional view of the purpose of higher education was to promote intellectual change. I want to like lean towards the latter, though like pragmatically, I know like an undergraduate degree should prepare you for like some sort of job or vocation. Is it privileged to say that I think that the point of education is to create intellectual change? How honest do you want me to be with you, Dr. Witt? I want you to be honest. Girl, that privileged. Yeah. That that's privileged. Yeah. I, I think it's ideal. I think it's great. And you've heard me say myself. And if you were to like ever read my teaching statement where anyone ever comes across her and hey, organizations, if you're listening to this, you're like, hey, you wrote in this teaching statement that I do believe like an intrinsic motivation, a love of learning, curiosity. Yeah is important but i also try to emphasize like that's great that's what it's we so just idealistic teach, right yeah. that's teaching to transgress that's making learning fun all that stuff for me what i have to concentrate with myself is this gen z so i know there's different markers of like when a new generation starts but i'm just say anyone who was born after post 9 11 post 2001 mm-hmm. or after mm-hmm. who are now a lot of our graduates or undergrads now have and some of the articles pointed this out of they lived in almost always consistently economically fiscally tumultuous times right? right they had to live through we had to live through the great recession right we had to go through the bubble popping yeah. we had to go through wars we had to basically this new generation has only known financial instability right and for like a lot of people and again i'm talking about most of the rights i'm not talking about like the excessively wealthy or privileged ones right but like if you have most people who had to deal with just political and economic st- instability their whole lives mm-hmm. and they now have always been told that the only way to stabilize your life is to go through a college degree and get a bachelor's again we've also talked about like this preference for getting a college degree uh, but not like a vocational one or something else which is as equally important if not more important because we're running out of like people applying for that pool Mm -hmm. and not a lot of people really care for a college education right the level of learning the interesting but like we basically told them you want a good safe stable life get this degree Mm -hmm. and so like dr wit you come to me and you're like, why is everyone so focused on getting a job? After? This should be learning for learning's sake. And I'm like, I totally, I hear you. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't think we can 
uh, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but we can't then go to undergrads and being like, you all really don't, you fail to appreciate the true purpose of this university. Right. No. Right? Yeah. Like, you can't go to them and be like, that's their whole lives they've been told to do this one thing. And guess what? Even if they do everything right and they get their college degree, it's not a guarantee that they do have a stable life. It's then that goes into political college debt era. That goes yeah. into working for a large portion of their lives to pay off debt. And like, that just gets into so many broader issues. So I do think there's a bit of privilege to be like, this is how I university settings and so like when college professors are like i'm not here to prepare them for a job i'm prepared to teach them and have these concepts i'm like no kind of like if students and parents all have this expectation of you then i think your job needs to adapt and negotiate like and there has to be some adaptation to cater mm -hmm. to the needs of students right there has to be that personal remember i was talking about like that personalization factor yeah like if the vast majority of your students aren't interested in your fluffy duffy <laughs> epistemological arguments you're right that's great you should still do it for people who do but also maybe adapt to can you tie this into how this can get me a job what skills in this classroom right now are you yeah. teaching me that i can use to apply for a job that i can list on my resume what jobs can i even have and then when faculty shrug and they're like apply to any job like like to me it's just a cycle i'm repeating myself now, but like I could definitely see frustration being built up. Yeah. I mean, like one activity that I like try to do in like my psychology 101 class is like have like a career, like a career day. That's I don't think like, I know much about this. Tell me more. I haven't done it in a while because I haven't taught 101 in like two and a half years. Um, I haven't but, taught 101 in a hot minute. As well, yeah. Like, <laughs> it was basically like, what have you like learned in this class? Like what are like your future career goals now? Like connect you know, some knowledge or concept that you've learned about to those career goals. It was like a whole assignment. I can share it with you. I really, really like that you do that. For me, so some of the things that the articles posted about, and I know you haven't done one in like two and a half years, you said, right? Mm -hmm. But like one concern they said is, oh, there's so much to talk about in these things. So generally speaking, what they acknowledge is that a lot of universities have at least have one, even if it's a single credit course, that's like career prep. Right. So even here at UA, we have something called Psych 321, and it's a single course, and it's led by a single person. There's one session of it, and it everyone is mandated to take that course prep in order to get their degree. But because it's, it is minimal credits and it's, there's not much time to meet as frequently, one, there's no consistency of when people have to take it. So you'll have like freshmen, sophomore, juniors, seniors, fifth years and above taking it. And what the articles point out is that the most ideal form is to have consistent course career embedded courses that career focused topics throughout their academic career so when they're younger when they're in the middle of the stage and they're older because the career advice you need is different per the development stage right. like when you're a freshman or sophomore maybe it's just figuring out what jobs are out there like maybe that's the career course is exploring what are your own talents what are your own values for a job what you might you like and then like middle junior sophomore junior year second third year you focus on how do i network do i know how to use job search databases right. have i used the career center and then when you're a senior year and you're about to graduate it's a different type of course that needs to be done where it's just like do you know how to interview do you know how to dress do you know how to reach up and follow like, the proper etiquette like saying hey thank you i appreciate you taking the time to meet with me but instead what most universities have and you include is just like a single course that anybody can take whenever that is too little of a time to cover all the necessary needs, right? You can't go over job prospects. You can't go over soft skills and go over like how to use all these resources in a one credit course in a mm -hmm. single semester yeah. in only one part of your life. Like it's just, it's too much in one. I mean, I feel like this is also why it's so important in undergrad to like mentor students. I got that kind of advice, not from like a class or even because I knew there was a career center and went there, but because like I had an advisor who was like, this is how grad school applications go. And, you know, like this is how you prepare for an interview. And I think especially being like a first generation college student, I didn't really have anybody to give me advice on how to interview, especially in an academic setting. And so like having like an advisor and like a mentor that I, I trusted to like go to with like questions and for advice was so important. I have like a lukewarm take. I feel like for those in that tiered system that are interested in graduate school like you, mm -hmm. like getting advice is a bit easier, even for like what you would assume is like similar stuff like interviews. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if you were to ask someone who might be interested in getting a bachelor level job, psych based job, like, in the I don't want to say in the real world, but like, in, you know industry outside the academy yeah outside the academy and you go to a faculty it's like can you help me prep for this type of interview mm -hmm. 
I think my take is I don't think they could actually, or I think they'd be too afraid to help or like they wouldn't know. Like, I mean, I think there are definitely differences between like academic job interviews and like probably industry job interviews, but I don't know that they would be like that different. Really? I feel like they're, they're quite distinct enough to make a difference. Maybe. Because like academic jobs need to be more focused and tailorized versus like more private industry jobs. A lot of them are just like open-ended interviews with no structure whatsoever. Um, and some are extremely structured and some are yeah. semi-structured. And it's just like, if the student isn't prepared to know what type of interview they're going to or like prepare for all the different types of interviews that exist. I think, Jacob, you're going to find that it's very similar on the academic job market. I feel like, oh, really? I felt like at least applying to grad school, a lot of them were just like mostly the same. Like there wasn't a lot of variety in structure. I mean, at least for me, like in my experience, like this past year doing job interviews, especially like those- They're all distinct or not all, but like mostly like- Yeah, like the round one interviews, like some of them were super structured. Like they clearly had questions and like it would pop around from like person to person. Um, some of them were just like conversations. I mean, I, I only did like one in-person interview because I was like, I did it and then they offered it to me and I was like, yes. So. <laughs> You're really making them work for it, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So at least in my experience with like those round one, like phone Zoom interviews, like there's there's a lot of variety there and you don't know like sometimes like in the email they would be like this is going to be like a structured interview like we have a set of questions that we are going to ask you and then you'll have an opportunity to ask us questions but yeah like a couple of them were just like straight up conversations then do you know how to navigate like i guess both types of interviews so like how you would respond to them were kind of distinct or like how you would prep for each of the types would be distinct mm-hmm. do you feel like faculty are good at giving advice for each specific type a faculty member in our department sent me like a list of potential like questions to prepare for but also like good questions to ask and i think my preparation for like, both kinds of interviews was like really similar in that regard you know like they were like major points that I knew that I wanted to hit, you know, like particular things in like my area of expertise or like research experience, like teaching experience, you know, like I wanted to highlight my good SOIs and like my, like the number of classes I had taught and stuff. Like I had like a cheat sheet. I had notes. So like that's the advantage of like interviewing like on Zoom initially, you know, you can have another window open with things you want to make sure that you say. So you don't forget when like the adrenaline kicks in. So much of interviewing, you know this, you're, you have a master's in IO psychology. It's just like that initial first impression. I don't know how to make good first impressions. I'm just all <laughs> hard so just like, oh. But a resource that came to mind as we were reading these articles was something, there was a study by, I believe we pronounced the name Appleby in mm-hmm. 2018. It's so like in their study, they basically had the most, they had both psychology majors and non-psychology majors rate 200, they like identified 273 jobs that you can get either with a bachelor's or with a graduate degree in any distinction mm-hmm. to like rate your preferences so i think that's an interesting study enough and maybe we can talk about the results of like what were the top 20 between both groups and like the least like top 20 or like the bottom 20 if you will yeah but also what's interesting is that these same authors after they create this list of the 270 plus jobs then created a separate word document listing those 270 jobs and they also linked like YouTube videos about that job description. They linked to websites like Ona, I think, of like talking about like, here's a different version of it. They talked about like the salary for each of these jobs for like 207 of them. Like it's just like this beautiful resource that if someone were to go up to you and say like, hey, what can I do with a psych degree? What jobs can I get? You can like turn out and like put forward and be like, here are psych related jobs and a good chunk of these you can get with your bachelor's. No graduate degrees in it. So I, I, hopefully I get to share that in the show notes when I hear about this. But like, I think that'd be an awesome resource to share. Absolutely. It's just like, that's a like i just think if i recall correctly without looking at the table i think the least or one of the top least like jobs ever is just like funeral director <laughs> for both like psych and non like one of the least desirable jobs you can get for like a psych degree it's just i like, wonder why <laughs> it's just like I think about my own mortality every day is this proof for terror management theory Oh what? my gosh. Yeah, the number one for both, the least interesting career to Gen Z students majoring in psych versus other fields for both is just funeral director. I think it's interesting. So this paper not only listed like the top 20, but they actually pointed out a possible issue with the top 20. Mm. So essentially what they said was that in the top 20, 18 out of the 20 jobs listed as the most desirable all have to do with either clinical psychology, counseling, 
child psychology or mental health. And they're like, that's probably because that's when you think about psychology, you think about like that armchair therapist of like what the psychologists do. Mm-hmm. And so what they're saying is we often teach about psychology or we communicate psychology as like this one thing that you can do this right. one function of mental health, right. which is very, very important. Obviously, mental health is a huge component to the psych field. But they also point out that there's hundreds of other jobs that doesn't necessarily relate to you having to be a counselor or to being a clinical psychologist that you can do. So they yeah. know it's like, yes, this is the top 20, but this might just be a failure to educate about the variety of other options. I mean, this is like one time where I'm like, or one area where I'm like, I'm <laughs> just I'm, one time. Yeah. There's one time I'm glad I'm an experimental psychologist instead. And this is it. It's that like, I, I have no clinical training. I somehow went through grad school, never taking a clinically oriented class. How about an undergrad? Even in undergrad. Yeah. I've never taken an abnormal psych class. Yes. I've just never taken any of that. You know, I have enough knowledge of it by being around clinical psychologists that I feel okay teaching the abnormal section in psych 101. But like, other than that, I have no idea what's going on. And so I think that being an experimental psychologist, I mean, as you pointed out in our last episode recording, (laughs) limits the amount of jobs available to you. Um, And so I think about all of the skills that like I have that are like research oriented or like data analysis oriented. So like when I have undergrads come to me and they're like, what in the world do I do with a psychology degree? I'm like, well, you can get all of this experience, like working with data or like learning to think about the world in like a very like logical cause and effect way. And like, that's desirable for many jobs. Definitely. And I'm opening up that resource right now with the 270 but they basically list topics. They list 15 categories of jobs, mm-hmm. anywhere from business to working with children and families and counseling, of course, but also education-based jobs, health-based jobs, HR, law, military, religious jobs, social services, sports-based jobs, tech-based jobs. Like there's a lot out there of the different types of jobs that are, just exist, right? And so like the resources that they provide typically it's a couple of videos from YouTube, so usually like two videos. They use ONET, right, so the Occupational Network. Mm-hmm. They use the Department of Transportation to also provide descriptions. And so basically there's always, for most of these, four to five links. Um, things ranging from like how you can work as a family counselor to, and again, I'm just talking around, to being a hospitalist. I don't even know what a hospitalist is. I don't either. <laughs> I'm just like, I've never... To being a, let's see, another one, a military chaplain. What is a chaplain? Uh, it's like a reverend, I think. Girl, you can be a military chaplain. If you I want mean, so I, I do have a friend from undergrad. Like she got a psychology, an undergraduate psychology degree. And then she went on to like Harvard Divinity School. So she's, she's got a degree in theology. And she's like a chaplain, like a hospital chaplain, I think. Definitely. Yeah. So religion, there's like Air Force psychologist. It's like for me, when you're like, oh, I want to be a counselor to be a therapist. Great. But those are the only two know. Right. And this isn't even getting to like the database tech jobs that you were talking about. Yeah. I know for a fact there are jobs. I've known people who got jobs where a large part of their thing is just running T-tests and correlations. Okay. Not the sexiest of jobs, but that Mm -hmm. is their job. And if you know how to do that and write the reports, you've now got at least an internship or an entry-level data analyst job that can probably grow from there. Yeah. I mean, so like some of the industry jobs that I applied for, like when I was on the job market, I didn't apply for many, maybe like three or four. What was your distinguishing factor? As an aside, what's your distinguishing factor? So like for mine, I'm looking at industry jobs, but I'm looking things that are like in the video game industry. So like things for like Nintendo I'm just like, all right, I could do private. It just yeah. has to be a video game. Like, was uh, there that distinguishing factor for you of like what you would? Mine was more like advocacy stuff. <laughs> you're uh, much better. You're a better human being than I am. Yeah. So like I was like applying for jobs at like nonprofits, mostly as like they were like researcher, like director jobs. But then one of the jobs that I applied for or I thought about applying for, I don't think I actually did was um for Pearson like the textbook company 
where it was just like developing like materials for like textbooks. The sad thing is when you look at fact and everyone knows, but like when you look at fact salary jobs and you look at like private industry, mm-hmm. like some of those big tech companies as a starting salary feels like 150 to 175 grand to so, start. Okay. And yes. I'm like, mm, one of the jobs, girl. one of the jobs I applied for um was at Amazon. And like that, oh, makes, I remember this. yeah, this makes it, it makes me feel kind of dirty, but like <laughs> the yearly salary, like it required a PhD in like psychology and it was like some sort of like research oriented job, but the starting salary was like, I think $500,000, like the starting, dirty, the make starting me salary. Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll, I will sell my soul to Jeff Bezos. If he takes me up to space the next time he goes, <laughs> I will accept the job. Oh, Yeah, that is kind of, and that also kind of gets into the taboo, right? I feel mm-hmm. like the academia is pure and industry is like polluted, yeah. but then there's like certain organizations are like, hmm. So, like, I know Starbucks is currently going through, like, a union right. lawsuit. Yeah. Amazon's just having people shit in bottles or piss in <laughs> bottles. Yeah. So, it's just, it feels bad to then be like, I'm going to use my schools for, mm-hmm. or skills for this, for <laughs> this, this organization. So, um, so that's one resource I want to share. And another one is uh, multiple of these articles reference the same resource from the APA. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think it's, like, the APA's guide to, it, and it's, like, from 2013, but undergraduate career guide mm-hmm. essentially and allegedly uh if you can only get this through a 15 dollars paywall this pdf and it's like a 70 page thing from the apa and it covers five topics or five goals that all psychology instructors go to i'm not gonna lie i hadn't heard about this before and i'm not sure if many psychology instructors even know this resource is out there i didn't but like it's 70 pages with details and activities and reflective questions to get your students thinking about a career with their undergrad degree and their goals are like develop a solid knowledge base of course right like know your psych topics mm-hmm. scientific inquiry and critical thinking is number two what is your ethical and social responsibility in our world mm-hmm. three four is communication so like just professionalism how communicate but number five is a whole dedicated section called professional development that covers how what skills can you list on your resume can show how you can exhibit self-efficacy and self-regulation how you know how to refine project management management so like give your students projects and then you can tell them like by doing this project you can then say have a skill that you know to manage right. a project like and be very explicit of tying any projects or assignments or knowledge bases to a resume to a job application so students actually feel like Oh, right. I think you you said you sent me an email recently, Cass. I'm going to expose you a little bit, but you sent me an email from one of your old stats students like this morning, actually. Yeah, this right? morning, and how like, timely. Right. And it, this is from a student from, I'm not sure, so, at least months ago, right? So it might have just been one semester, it could have been multiple semesters. Regardless, mm-hmm. their email was like, hey, I'm currently in a research lab now. Yeah, let me, let me bring it up. No, and this is really important because this is the key thing of like what they said. So I'll let you read it. I'll let the, yeah. I'll let the tension, the anticipation rise. Yeah. yeah so um, they said, I was enrolled in your statistics class this past spring. I just wanted to thank you for all the useful information you were able to teach me. Currently, I'm doing research and the use of p-values, ranges, and means have been very important in my research. This is also the first time I've been able to use what I learned in a class in real life because I mostly take all science classes. I want to thank you for not only being a great teacher, but also teaching me that I can do math. To hear anyone say yours is the only class that's actually taught me some sort of relevant skill. I know. I was like, Damn. like what? What about your, you know, senior seminars, junior seminars, intro yeah. psych, any other psych class you've taken? And it's great. I'm glad their stats course mm-hmm. was helpful, and they're using it. Mm-hmm. It should not be the only course that they ever gain anything where they can see a real world application to. Yeah. I mean, I do like really try to make my stats class. Like I try to turn statistics into something where I'm like, all of you can use what you learn here. And I think faculty need to be better about explicitly because there might be like an implicit assumption that faculty like, oh, this will help them, blah, blah, blah. Right. Students don't know. Mm-mm. And again, that's not fault of their own. It's on the What's the impetus? It's it's the burden is placed upon the instructor, the teacher to make right. clear, like to clarify those ties unambiguously. Right. You're doing this. Here's why you should do it. Right. That rationale. It's a justification, mm-hmm. and it will help you in X, Y, Z. Yes. Yeah. There's the epistemic motivations of love of learning and all that. 
but also this will help you get blah 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 jobs yeah it's like dual purpose you know it's dual purpose right and so again this dedicated goal five and that's the one that's normally overlooked and i say allegedly there's a 15 dollar paywall but i've heard through the grapevine i've heard whispers in the dark that you know you don't have to look too hard to find copies of a free pdf out there and that's all i can say about that i don't think i can provide any links or resources or say anything more because i ain't getting sued by the apa but i'm just saying that if there's already one pdf copy that's free out there there are probably hundreds of other copies that yeah, people can, have posted elsewhere you can uh, probably navigate there on the uh, the old google the old google the old bing and yeah so that's Again, I just want to share resources with people who are listening. I'm like, well, how do I do this? I'm like, well, there are there's stuff there. There are lists of jobs. There's the APA guidelines, right? You mentioned something earlier. So this is kind of like a tangential topic. Uh-huh. So you said that you do the career fair for your 101 students. Right. There was one article that we read that talks about like you have to like cater. And I, I talked about this earlier, like cater if like you're at a beginning undergrad, a moderate, intermediate, middle of the road undergrad, or like you're a senior undergrad who's going to graduate soon. And what they think they said is that you should start off with those beginning like job fair, job opportunities in any other class except Psych 101. And I think their logic is that for most Psych 101 students, the constituents, the people who make up that class are going to be a large portion not Psych majors and have already declared their majors elsewhere. And so like doing any like follow-up class, and you could feel, I think maybe you might Discourse this, but like, I think their logic is: is we don't need any more psychiatrists. As so like, we don't have to like interest or sexify the thing. It's a breath course, a one-on-one course, is like a survey course. Make it fun, make it enjoyable for everyone, right? And you don't have to waste one or two lectures dedicated to like all the job possibilities. But I could definitely see some pushback on that. Okay, so I <laughs> that's I, a stereo. Okay, I disagree. Um, one, at least in my experience. I think that there are definitely a lot of non-psychology majors in Psych 101, but the majority of students who are in Psych 101 tend to be college freshmen. And I think many college freshmen don't really know what they want to do yet. And so I think like being exposed to careers in psychology or rather like, I think not exposing students to careers in psychology is doing them a disservice. I've converted many a student to the old psychology major. And like, I do that without talking about careers. You know, I think like if students are going to find like that information, like interesting, then they're going to find it interesting. And so like, you shouldn't be scared that you're going to convert students. It it gives me remnants of one of the the quote of Nebraska Senator Ben Sass, who Mm -hmm. he's the one that gave the speech at the high school graduation. Like whatever you do, don't be a psych major. And if you were to hear that there's an instructor who's like, my children have converted. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've converted, converted another one. To Get the a pay raise yeah. to the old social science, the old liberal arts. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Maybe that's a bad argument for them to put forth. Not maybe a bad argument, but like a weaker argument that they suggest. Because you can't, yeah. maybe it's never too early to talk about that. And especially like if we are like trying to say that psychology is like a degree, right? Where it sits at like, I think one of the articles pointed this out that psychology is unique because it really sits at this intersection of like the humanities and science. And so like that has has the opportunity or like the advantage of giving students all sorts of like unique and transferable skills. And if we're trying to say that there all are like all sorts of careers you can get as a psychology major, then like why would you want to limit undergraduate students, you know, or like try to dissuade them from being a psychology major if it is like as like marketable or like good for like job outlook as you're saying that it is. So one question I have for you, Jacob, is like sort of like hypothetical. Um, so I do feel like the psychology major, like it's extremely popular. I think one of the articles that we read, like had like a statistic where like, as of like, maybe it was 2018, there were like over 700,000 psychology majors in the United States. I think I'm remembering that correctly. And like, it's usually in like the top three most popular majors at like any college or university, but I feel like it often is like a placeholder major where it's like students have no idea what they want to do with their life or like what they want to major in. And so they just major in psychology. And so like, imagine a situation where like you have a student come up to you and they say, I don't know what I want to do like with my life. Where do you start? I would just tell you what my brain of consciousness tell me. One mm-hmm. is values at the workplace, right? 
So different people have different work values, right? Do you appreciate flexibility in the workplace? Do you like more of a semi-structure? Do you like more structure than very big, just like a military type setting? I think that will at least reduce greatly the number of careers you might be interested in. There are aptitude tests, both by ONET, but also freely online. There are tests like such as the, I think this APA, the APA guidelines for that fifth resource, like list three, that you can give to students as aptitudes or assessments of like metacognitive awareness, right? Um, so like how, what's your capacity for self-reflection? What is your emotional and social competence, so your emotional intelligence, as well as like, what are your learning and study strategies? And so like that information isn't supposed to be like which career choose, but like it's supposed to self-reflective, like am I a person who actually is interested and has the potential for more higher emotional intelligence? Maybe that can guide the jobs I search for versus not. And maybe I value a job that's highly structured versus not. That's going to narrow it down. And I think once you start narrowing down to like categories of jobs or areas, you can start identifying what major you want, like what education, what degree do you need to get, X, generally speaking, those types of jobs. I think here's going to be my hot take. I'm not going to be too popular for the liberal arts, for the social sciences, and honestly, arguably with the natural sciences as well. But mm-hmm. that's even probably a hotter take. It's going to sound awful. I don't think, for the most part, your undergrad major actually matters. Possibly for engineering, and that's the only thing I could see. Like a lot of engineers straight from bachelors get then get hired for an engineering job, right? So you have to have those skills. But from what I can tell. Like, you don't need to be a bio major to go to medical school, right? You don't need to be a political scientist to go to law school. You don't need to be even a psych major specifically to get into a psych graduate degree. It's the stuff that you do outside of your major and the activities and the research and your interests outside of that that I feel like really lead to the personal statement and the applications. And so what my thing would be is don't see this kind of contradiction of like you can identify your jobs and look at what skills you need but you'll notice that a lot of those jobs don't require you to be a specific major and then even if you're applying to graduate school for like psychology and they're like we would prefer applicants have a psychology degree and then they always end purposes or something relevant or close to or have some sort of similar experience i think that's good enough yeah right maybe i'm a bio major because i generally love biology but i also participate in the psych research lab and i'm going to apply to a psych grad school yeah cool that's beautiful. That's fine. I feel like there's these statistics out there. If I recall correctly, this is from four or five years ago, so maybe they're outdated. But it used to be for the what's the medical school? Is it the MCAT test? Is mm-hmm. it yeah, it's MCAT, right? That psychology majors actually perform better than biology majors on the medical school admissions test. And these are bio majors. Okay, people think like, oh, I've taken advanced bio, but guess what? Advanced bio doesn't really matter in my like they reteach you from bio 101 anyways in medical school right graduate school like that that's my shtick it's you should have fun in undergrad but yeah I think you're right like pick something that's interesting to you and like I think there are probably you know like people say like psychology you can get any job if if you know how to like market yourself or like spin it any degree can get you a job yeah, and I'm thinking about this thought more fully because this might contradict something earlier I said, right? So mm. I said that psychology offers like unique skills, things. Maybe I shouldn't say unique, right? Like I feel like other majors could provide very similar skill sets, uh-huh. right? Maybe not the base knowledge of psych things, even though with the replication crisis, what is our base knowledge? I don't know. Right. Um, but maybe this is just like an academia, college, American to this, maybe not just American issue of that like a lot of our courses like, Many instructors across many fields aren't intentional with preparing their undergrads to get a job afterwards, right? I think that's probably true. And if you think about it too, like the bulk of what is like your undergraduate education aren't major classes, it's general education, which like all students are required to complete. And so I really do think you're kind of specializing in something with an undergraduate degree, but at the same time, like you're taking classes that like most of your peers are taking too. So like most undergraduate degrees, I would argue are like actually pretty similar. And like, this is why like whenever, you know, young people like ask me for advice about like where to attend college, it's like, unless you like really like have a strong desire to go to like a specific school, just go where you're getting the best deal. Because I think like inherently, like most undergraduate institutions, you're going to get a similar experience. I think the pushback, even though it's, it's more... 
primarily in grad school is that reputation matters. I feel like for undergrad, like going from undergrad to grad school, I don't know many faculty who are like, oh my God, a Harvard undergrad, I'm going to yeah. give them special permission. At least that's typically not been my experience. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone or maybe know anyone who's like had some like prestigious so-and-so yeah. undergrad. Like that's just usually a non-factor. Yeah. Right. So it's like, oh, I need to go to undergrad to special school so I can get into a special medical school. I'm like, no. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I do think like with grad school, it's like, oh, you went to grad school at like an R1 school, like a research. Yeah, that's where it's a little bit different, right? Like that's that, where it's that's different. Right yeah. But it's like, yeah. But that's nepotism at that point, right? Oh, you work with Dr. So-and-so at that department? Yeah. That's you a, know, it's just that's like. A whole, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> yeah. Let's say centered initial thought. Yeah. Um, but yes, how I would handle it is just let them pursue their own. And for someone who truly doesn't know, but for someone who does love psychology themselves, I don't want them to think that they're missing out by not choosing a different major where they might learn some unique, like psychology can do it and it can do it in its own personalized way. Yeah. And so that's why I'm focusing on holding psychology faculty and instructors more accountable. And I, like, I want them to do better. So good question. Very long roundabout answer. So they also point out that vast majority like of colleges don't offer multiple career-based courses, right? So mm-hmm. we talk about like a, a good chunk offer at least one. And so there are solutions that were proposed in some of these articles of how to like combat that or like try to deal with that, right? Um, because they're also like, we work in the real world. We know that there are real world politics in play, that there are a lot of obstacles to just creating new courses. Um, but one thing they said is to capitalize on capstone, so senior capstone courses. So like a, our UA here, we have both junior and senior seminar courses mm-hmm. dedicated to like covering all the basics, but having like these more intense, engaged seminars, right? right. This reviewing of all your knowledge. I would say that's kind of our equivalent of a capstone mm-hmm. and so what i would like to see more at ua and like in other institutions their version of it is they advise like you can have career-based days embedded in that class as well mm-hmm. right like so maybe you can't have a dedicated career course but you could kind of hijack current courses that do exist and make sure to embed that career information in it still so that right. students still get that and yeah. to me like i like that idea that's like a very low that's an easy to implement idea that's a invite the career center over, have them show, show them the resources of like how to do a mock interview. What's the dress attire? Here are the different types of like those basic skills. In addition, they also, there's a different paper that says like the traditional approaches and new like tech-based approaches to career courses, right? Mm-hmm. And so like they go over a lot of the older stuff of like having, so like having any dedicated course is kind of like an older idea, but their more modern version of it is essentially like online modules. So like maybe you can't afford to create a whole course or get like some students interested. Maybe you can make part of the degree requirement is completing these online modules at different stages of them getting their degree. And so it's like all pre-recorded, all pre-lectured, it's all pre-established. So it's not like it has to be in live teacher and in live classroom, mm-hmm. but it is at least, and again, as I talk about it, maybe I have some pushback of like, oh, another checkbox, another thing to kind of just like, it almost reminds me of like HR training, right? Like you kind right. of turn it on, you let it play in the background, you yeah. answer a couple quiz questions. So. But at least it's something maybe. I feel like there's more motivation to pay attention to that than to an HR video of like, here are things you can do to get a job. Like, I feel like there's great motivation to be like, oh, okay, let me let me focus on this a little bit more. Yeah. What are your ideas or what are your thoughts on like this kind of like module education? Like, I feel like it'd be a cool idea to like propose to departments and be like, can we do this? Like, and then someone's going to be like, are you volunteering? And you're like, uh, maybe, I don't know. Am I getting paid extra? Am I, uh... yeah. I don't know, Jacob, maybe like this is something we should apply like uh, for a grant to like create like a undergrad, like career prep. <sighs> Oh, that'd be so awesome. I'm down. You <laughs> This is how Cassie and I's collaborations work. One of us proposed an idea and just like, let's do it. I love it. I can look into that now. But we might get distracted from the podcast. So I think we actually covered a lot though today. I think so. We've been talking for a while. I felt like this was like a useful episode just for me. So like this first year in my job, I'm not required to do any advising. But like next year, I will be. And so I think just like having some resources, you know, or like a list of jobs that like aren't related to like counseling and stuff that I can actually suggest to students who like want to major in psychology and do something with their degree. I think that wraps up. So in summary, there are, I think the TLDR is just professors, psychology faculty are really bad at educating their students and educating themselves about career prospects. Mm-hmm. We also talked about that there are a lot of resources from the APA guidelines to the list of 270 jobs to 
solutions such as modules and seminars and alumni that one can take. All right, with that, we have concluded season two, episode two. Hopefully you've enjoyed the outro play shortly thereafter. Maybe there's music in the background now. Maybe not. Depends on the editor's <laughs> choice. Editing magic, maybe you don't know. Way to find out. <laughs> Way to find out. For. But regardless, I hope you all have a wonderful day. Yeah, we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Hello, hello again. We just want to thank you one more time for listening to Two Random Weirdos. If you want to listen to us ramble some more, we'll be posting episodes hopefully bi-weekly on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Fingers crossed. If you want to get in touch with us, we can be found on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at CorruptYouthPod. Or feel free to email us at CorruptingTheYouthPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and helping us spread the corruption. Bye. Bye.